Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey gang, Red Hills Rancher here with another bonus episode of Ranching Reboot. Got a special treat lined up for you today. A couple weeks ago, I went over to visit my friends Josh and Gwen, their daughter Josie Hoy, on their beautiful ranch, the Flying W in the Flint Hills. The real reason I went there was to hang out, meet Bob Kenford, and learn some stockmanship from him. And this is a recording of a great after-dinner conversation that we had. The seven of us, myself, Bob Kenford, Josh, Josie, and Gwen Hoy, Jake Jacobs, and David Stackley. We are all sitting outside after having dinner. Long, great day on horseback on the beautiful Flying Debbie. I apologize for some of the background noise, including the dogs and the phone notifications. Just couldn't be helped. Like I said, we were sitting outside, and it was a beautiful evening in the heart of the Flint Hills. We had a great conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hi, Sam. You know, all lamplighters really got some people take it to the extreme, to the... To the detrimental side. Yeah, I mean, in the situation that we're down there, you got to be feeding some sort of thing. I mean, there's just been no two ways about it. And this guy that this friend of mine is taking care of cattle for, uh, they, they and a lot of them are older cows, they're poor annies, they can scrounge, but all there is is dead to both of this stuff like probably a minus 5% protein. <laughs> and. <laughs> and, and he's not feeding them anything and he's got he's got 200 and something of them and well feed him a bale of hay a week and put out a tub and then he goes up and, and bike starts going up and putting out three bales at a time twice a week and the guy's getting upset about it and then he goes out and he can't find his cow and that's all bikes do, is, that's all he's doing is he's going ahead and he's he's feeding for them checking them water and and they went ahead and they gathered and and they just did a quick gather, and you know, it's Corianis, they, they, he's raising open steers, and so they get down there and had all their cows, but they were short 90 cows. Now he's going on trying to save the bike short 90 cows, and go, well, why are we laying out there dead? <laughs> you know, because really, he, he went and fed them, and there would be cows sitting on that hay dead because they, they gorged and it just. And then there are probably some that starved to death that never got a bite of it. Mm-hmm. back and I'm, I'm getting through cattle I'm pretty heavy hamper I don't need a whole lot that's your happy place yeah that's my happy place horseback and cattle it's like 
you know, and, and it's it's like you hit the times of year like, well, when I was in the feedlot, and I mean, oh man, no, I forgot how bad those smelled until I went in and there, mm, no. you know, the other day. But yeah, when they when they started hitting and they're going 60, 70 hours a week, and everybody's getting tired and cranky because they're working all these hours, it was like, okay, well, I'm pulling up to 130 head of cows a day, and you know everybody's kind of pulling that same pretty close to that. And so you're having out of out of your section every day you're pulling between two and three hundred cows, cows, which means you're having to do go homes, which means yeah. you get to go and you get to sort them back into their into which alleys. Then you get to go down and you get to sort them back into the deals. And I just eat it up. Mm -hmm. I love the hell out of it. I wouldn't get tired. I'd be charged up. Or I get grumpiest when you're only working twenty five or thirty hours a week and you're just you know nothing sick and you know you're just going through there. That's no fun, but man, when you're pulling cattle and you're doing that, I mean, that, that's kind of always what I, I look for that, you know, and leachments. We were doing, we were doing three natural heat cycles, and we were doing them on 1,000 to 1,500 acre pastures. So you were pulling them out of that big No, you had, they had like, they'd have a, 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 a dam, dam down here, and they'd have a breeding pen. They have another dam down there and they got another breeding pen. They got another, you know, so they have three breeding pens there. And, you know, you'd have one circle, somebody else have another circle, and all the circles kind of overlap a little bit. And you'd go out there and you'd ride through and you'd go ahead and pin your hot cows. Mm -hmm. And when you get down to, you know, first cycle, they kind of, to me, they set it up backwards. They got all this up on the first cycle. The first day that you're painting those hot cows, it's a little bit tough. A little, a little bit, not bad. They they said, oh, they've got a, you know, pins coming up and they got a wing coming off around them, so you can kind of go by them and, and do that little fade and they drop right in there. Mm -hmm. You know, you try going in from the other way and try putting them in there to go by there. But then the next day that you go to come through that night, when you go to go in, those cows are standing up there ready to get bred. It smells like hot cows. Mm -hmm. and, and you got a group of hot cows and they see that pin and they just go straight for it. Mm -hmm. And you pin, they almost pin themselves. The second uh, cycle, they are a little bit different. You're only pulling, instead of pulling, you know, 20 head, you know, everybody's pulling 20, 30 head. So then it drops down and you're only pulling between 5 to 12, right around in there. Depending on, on how that first day bred up, and there there are two. They're hot. They've got other hot cows with them. They don't pay any attention to their calf. Mm -hmm. But then you get down to the third cycle. You're getting one a day, two a day, <coughs> and you don't spot them by the gomer bowl. You spot them by the mass of bull calves up there mobbing that hot cow. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of really. You know, she's had enough. She's had she's had enough. And on those, you can get up there and you got fifty to hundred head of calves up there mobbing one cow, and you have to find her calf to pin her calf and get away from all of them. It gets to be pretty interesting. It gets to be pretty interesting. It gets to be pretty wild. But it was for me. It was fun because that was all the cows. And your horse back and you're working cows. You know, and everybody else is just getting grumpy and it's like I'd be getting tired, but. You know, I'm still having fun with it. Well, right. You know, I mean, that's 
that's why, to me, that's why you get into this business to begin with, is because you like working with the animals, you like, you, you, you like working with, with nature and, and everything, and, and people forget when they start hitting the management deal, you know, they want to manage, and they want to manage that guy that's out there and tell him what to do. Well, if he's doing his job, anytime he spends out there with those cows, he's making you money. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go out there, it's, when I went to Bab, and that's another place I really, I really liked it, you know, up there on that Blackfoot Reservation, loved the people and, and, and got along with everybody. Uh, but when I first got there and they were having to rip, we had crews ripping out fence, we had crews putting in fence, we designed pens, we had crews on there, and I was bouncing around, I'm a cow boss, but I'm bouncing around on all this, and I'll go for three or four weeks without seeing the cows. And I kept telling this guy that I was working, you know, that was, I was a cow boss, and I had a guy who wasn't managing, he was operating it. And I kept telling him, I gotta get out get to those cows. And he kept, oh, no, 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 you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that. Well, we got home one night, because they didn't have housing, we were, they were renting a crater horse off the ranch, and we had a message from the neighbor. You got a real sick calf down, you know, right by our fence. So he kind of had directions down there. So he goes, well, yeah, maybe you better go down there and doctor that and kind of look around. And I went into that pasture. <clears throat> that one was dead. It was, I can't remember because it's been like over 20 years, but it, it was two or three more dead. And I doctored damn near 30 head. <laughs> and they were sick, sick. And so there's, Two, three, four dead that they would have gotten nine hundred dollars a piece off of. Mm-hmm. Plus those other ones that went from making a nine hundred dollar bull calf to they had to get cut and went for a forty eight that 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 was a year that was forty eight cents a pound on steers. <laughs> and they're only paying me eleven hundred a month. I mean that if I would have just saving that right there would have paid for three months of me just camping on them cows. Mm-hmm. But people don't, you know, they Did don't. Did they realize it afterwards or not? Yeah, yeah, I think he, 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 he kind of, yeah, okay, well, maybe you do need to get through there. But there again, I know you probably run into that in feedlots. <coughs> you can go in there and people have cattle come in and they're healthy and they stay healthy and they gain good. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get people that come in and it'll be the same ranch coming in every year. And they bring in stuff that they just turn out into the mount, turn out on the mountain, and they go back down in their hand or doing whatever they do. They go up in the fall and they gather these cattle. You got crippled cows, you got blind cows, and you bring them into the lot. They're getting sick. They're not, you know, they don't do good for a long time before they start gaining. And and you know, they're whoever's buying those cattle is buying them cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, they're it buying cheap. They're, yeah. they're cutting their own throat. They don't even know that they're throwing that money away. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's, it just, and it frustrates me because when I go to work for somebody, I want them to make money. Mm-hmm. No, no, that, that's that's your new way of thinking. You don't want to be making any money. <laughs> you just money just appears. Well, I'm not real bright. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> You guys are making money? Crap. As I say. Wow. That's on the table? I I was like, money what? (laughs) Ranching for profit? What? What? (laughs) Yeah. That's what you want.
Yeah. And an ox, an oxymoron is just a cowboy with a bunch of steers, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was a prat at the feedlot, the manager told us, he said, all you need to pull is the, the sickest one out of each pen. The one that's going to die tonight. <laughs> a little late, isn't it? Well, I'm not God. <laughs> yeah. to start with. I don't know whether they're going to die not? tonight. Why not? <laughs> we would have these meetings every three months. And, he, and he'd tell us how, what a great job we've done, you know, in the past year, the last week and so, and everything. And then he'd go, but. And that's when that shit hit the fan. Yeah. And he would bring up stuff from people that hadn't been there for five years. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Oh. All right. Well, I, I that none of it. I mean, yeah, some <laughs> of the same people were there, but these guys were gone. Yeah. Like the ones that would go down in the six hundred valley and practice mm. team roping after everybody went home. <laughs> that would be negative, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, stuff like that. You know. Well, I've gone. I, I, I went down to, to uh, Missoula one day from there, Bab, and I come back and the guy I'm working with, and this is they. Decided, well, now they need a manager because that that first winter, we went, we had 750 small round bales, and we had somewhere around 1,450, 1,500 cows and heifers, plus you know 40 bulls, and and they retained all the calves, you know they retained 700 some odd calves, keeping them on the ranch, with 750 small round bales. Now the guy that was operating it, he's pretty sharp sharp guy and he actually went up to Canada and had it arranged it would have been $25 a ton holding right that's cheap I that's mean cheap. that's cheap from night in the 19 late 1990s that's cheap so this guy's going oh no 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 I'd rather keep it all on the works this stays open you, you don't need all that hay you'll see you'll see well they had a kind of a screw up on the deal for where it, where it was supposed to be, they were only buying the cows that were exportable to Montana. But it turned out they had a bunch of those cows that had never been vaccinated. But they told no, you bought the whole thing. And then they charged them like $24 a month back in the 90s to keep those cows there. Well, I got to go from Montana down there. I was going to wean the calves and, you know, Sort up the ones that were supposed to be going to Lisbon. The other ones were that would go through the sale ring. And I got down there, and I mean to tell you, uh, the range is just going sideways. Mm. And those cows, generally, they were everything. Mm. And their guys, it was like, got them in. Had two cows that that needed to go on the trailer. And they got on the scale, they would not go any further. And her guy is going down the alley with the truck and he pulls up to the scale to get him to go over. And and we got the one on, I got the gate closed on her so she couldn't come back out. And when he did that, he planted both tires on that pickup. <laughs> so it's like, crap. You know, the sale's getting ready to start. I gotta get up there and they were gonna charge, they were gonna charge you know, a, a, like a dollar or two dollars a head to run the cows through the preg system. Mm -hmm. So I called into the 
to the sale barn and they were charging like a buck and a half to run them through there. Okay, we're gonna do them through there. Well, the storm's in there and these cows are not, uh, they're not getting freight checked because nobody's showing up. So they're just going through the ring. And they were short, about 20, 30 head, but we go ahead, they run through the ring. That woman sold those cows for $750, charged $12 or $24 a month for like five months to hold them down there, and then bought them back for $350 a head because it exposed the bull. So the other ones, we got, they, they got those in, and they had just opened that, that Packerland uh, pill plant there in, in, uh, in Gordon, and I just ran those cows down there, and you know what? I got $750 for them. I, I broke even on, on at least the cost of the cow, mm -hmm. taking them down there, and then hauling them back. But I was met. But anyway, I'm down there dealing with that. Mitch calls me up and says, boy, you're lucky. He says, we got four foot of snow last night. <laughs> and, and we were we were only feeding those cows nine pounds a hay a day and we were out by once a day. So now he's paying two hundred and fifty dollars US to get hay. Oh my goodness. I mean it just I mean that winter was just a stinking wreck. And I was telling him when when I got back, I said, you know, we're, we're needing to feed, we're needing to feed. And then finally he gets to where we start feeding a little bit more. And and he calls me into the house there um, on Christmas Eve and he's got his whole family there. He's gonna give me his bonus. And I jumped down his throat with both feet. I said, look, it's it's almost too late to start feeding, but we need to start feeding these damn house cows. 30 pounds a hay a day at least. And I said, and if you don't, I said, even if you start doing that, we're gonna have cows being born dead. We're gonna have Cows dying trying to calf. We're going to have cows dying, you know, just being weak and dying a couple days after. And we have all oh, we have all of that. And did you start feeding them or not? What? Did you start feeding them then? Did what? Did you start feeding them? Did he? Yeah, he finally went ahead and he, he? you know, he did it. His family was there, and after I left, his family goes, you know, you know, he knows what he's talking about. You know, maybe we ought to listen to him. Mm. So they started feeding more. And, you know, I, that was the hardest winter they've had in Bad Montana in 75 years. Hmm. That is, uh, winter, 96, 97, 97, 98, it was hard all across. Hmm. It was hard all across here. Did, was there snow that whole winter? Well, it snowed, <laughs> and then it would Chinook, and it would, yeah. it would it would get down, and you got water running, running snow, and then drop back down to 40 below. Oh, yeah. mm. And when we started calving, we had six inches of ice around the cabin. Well, I got my little wheel <coughs> a shoe and a horse for ice and that, so I'm standing up, you know. Everybody else sharp shot, but the thing is, is they had a hundred and, uh, 125 cows that I wanted to call, call off as soon as I get there. I didn't want to turn them out fast. Yeah. I mean, they were just, right, their cows were, they had these humongous cows, the only thing that we had to pull Oh, no, 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 but we have like 120 open cows running with them. So they're up around there and, and all that ice. And when a cow, you know, goes into labor, progesterone level drops. 
And those cows, if they were cycling, would think that these cows are coming into heat. Right. And they start riding, and they bump down on, and, right. and it was and it was clipped in the calves. Uh, and we're sitting there one night, and the guy I'm working with, the the guy that was operating, his wife's in there, and she's, you know, doing bottle calves with the kids. I just pull one upside down one. I'm working on another one. I've got two more in back of me. I mean, this is just like assembly line. And and her husband and, and, and this other guy comes in and they holler, we've got two more backwards ones for you. And I just looked at her and said, well, how much you want to make a bet they're both upside down? She says, I'm not betting. She says, I just checked the cabin record to see, you know, books for the last 24 hours. And before these, you'd already pulled eight. So it was eight and then 12, 14 head and 24 hours upside down calves. Upside and down? Upside yeah, down. No, it's pretty. Once you get the hang of it, it's not that <laughs> yeah, bad. Now, the first one or two, you know, you're kind of you're kind of scratching your head about this, but you got to take it in like a picking string with a ring in it. Okay, you put it around the back of their head through the mouth, and then because once you get everything straightened out for so weak, your head's going to fall back. So you got to kind of keep that up. But you got to reach in the cow, and you got to cross it, and then kind of keep a hand in there where you can keep it crossing and switch your hands where you can roll them over like that and then you put on your chains and everything to yeah, come out. The bad thing, you know, I'm, I'm kind of short and those cows are hitting me about here. And you get in there and they drop down on their knees and you think they're just trying for this calf to come out. And they they shift their weight and they would have their, they would have a foot on each one of your feet you're up to your elbows with your arms crossed in a cow. There ain't no place you can go. You gotta just sit there and wait for them to shift so that you can go back to work on them. I mean, it was. But we went back in, and this was just two weeks into cattle season. I'd already pulled 30 bucks. And this was a daily thing all through cattle season. I'd have at least one. And at the end, they wanted to, you know. Well, you want to go back and count and see how many of those you did? Oh. <laughs> At that time, no. At this time, man, it'd be interesting to know because right. that's, that's like, that's a Guinness World Book of Record deal, you know? That's a lot. So, again, Bob, what caused that? These cows were on ice. Oh, and they had open cows in there. Uh huh. And, yeah, I mean, this is just the way their reports and the management on us. And when the progesterone drops, any cow that was coming in heat would start riding them because all of a sudden they smelled different. Uh -huh. And they slammed down on that ice and it put the cow. I mean, it was. Uh, and then he gets, he gets this bright damn idea that I don't know where my money's going. It couldn't be in that $250 a ton hay that <laughs> yeah, you're having to buy. That runs away fast. Yeah, that runs away fast. So he comes up with this bright idea. He wants to start keeping time cards, write down everything we're doing. And I, I, thought, I said, John, I don't want to know. You don't want to know. Oh, whatever, I'm gonna be that. So he goes for two weeks, and he, he comes back, and I was averaging 120 hours a week. And I mean, everything was documented. There was no barking around. You know, you take off the time that you go in for your half an hour for, for lunch, and then come back at 120 hours a week. And we lost the worst cavity I've ever done. We lost ten percent, or no, we lost almost twenty percent. Okay, you know what the bad part was? 
neighbors that were in that country, spent their whole life in that country, that winter was so damn hurt that some of them lost over 40%. Mm-hmm. We were busting our funds to get, you know. Well, yeah, but see, that was on that. I, I did one for the first place I worked at in Montana. They bought a bunch of heifers and I took the cabins away in February that started the 10th of January. Oh, there you go. And I was the only one there. And, you know, you're having to go. You're going 24 hours a day. You know, lay down for four hours, get up, check out, check out, and then all day you're doing stuff. And then you get, you get captives down, you know, captives down, got them on IVs and shit. And you're, you know, you're, you're staggered on that. And I actually put in a 70 hour day. <laughs> and the thing was, is it was, it was white muscle. Yeah, my boss was doing it, he was a college professor, did a sabbatical in New York, and he couldn't get a hold of his wife, and, you know, somebody to, to get, and I just, I finally, I, I, I knew what it was, because I'd been, you know, posting them, and I had four calves down, and I called the vet, I said, okay, he's got this new, new white muscle disease, I said, does it have still any of them in it? He goes, yes, it does. I said, how much is it? He goes, $5 a bottle. Well, it was a hundred mile round trip to the vet. Well, I went ahead and I did that. I got that five dollar bottle of medicine, and I didn't lose a calf after that. You know, and I, mm. I had like a ninety eight percent, but I didn't lose a calf after that. I got my butt chewed. Because we're going down that because I didn't get authorized to go get that. Thinking on your own. Yeah. yeah. It just and it was effective. It wasn't yeah, just it was a yeah. fun trip. That's a great part. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was just. And and the thing is, is the house had burned down. And that's funny itself, because we went to town on New Year's Day, and they got this about you know your all the Chinese proverbs and all sayings and everything, and they're, they're saying, well, you know, Chinese say that your luck for the year is determined by the altitude of the first bird you see. Well, we're in Montana, we're driving around, we're looking up in the air, and then I got to hit the brakes because there's three bald eagles. Flying off of a dead deer all the time. <laughs> Three days later, the house burned down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny to look at that. was a hard one because we went into a summer home that didn't have any heat, and it was dropping down to forty-five below. Mm. That was a tough. I'm assuming your water was just off. Is that? No, we had we. What we did is we put. We had two kerosene heaters that we put in the bathroom and in the, in the, under the kitchen sink to keep the pipes going. It was tough. But I survived. Yeah. I got a good story out of it. Yeah, I got a good story out of it. What age were you at that time, Bob? Oh, about 26 or 27. And it, you know, I just have a propensity. For being able to go into a place that's that's going to have a management-induced wreck, and then I get to try to do whatever I can to make it be the least amount possible. And, and you know, it's like it kicks you off at the time, but that shit's where a guy learns. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn a lot of. If everything's working fine, you don't learn near as much as you yeah. have the wreck. Yeah, and if you stay in one place <laughs> your whole life, <laughs> what, what do you when you stay in one place your whole life? And and. You know, like, okay, you've been here your whole life. Yeah, basically working kind of the same place. 
But the more places you get out to and that, the more experiences you have in it, the more little things pick up all over. And it's like, when I was younger, I did, oh man, I'd cuss it every time I'd have to move, I'd, I'd cuss, but mm -hmm. but now I look at it as those were just learning experiences. If I hadn't been through all of that, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be on one of them answers up there. And, you know, I'd be happy with, I'd be, I, I enjoy loads going on. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much. Who would do it? Well, you gotta wonder because I don't know how how much Bud Williams enjoyed uh, going to the school. He didn't act like he did. He didn't act. You know, you, you've been there. Hey, well, yeah, I, he came and spoke at us one time, and you kind of tell. It's like, well. He's got to be out with the cow. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I got to be here. I got to do this. You know, and, and, yeah, and it's like, and, and his main deal was is that people didn't learn. And I, I really, it's like, I wish everybody had learned. But at the same time, I know that not everybody's going to learn. Everybody will pick up a little deal. Then you have people that just don't pick up a damn thing. And I don't know if that means I'm a bad teacher or if it's a bad student. Or, you know, I don't figure out how to sometimes, connect to that person. I, sometimes I just think there's some people that just, but they're too afraid to experiment with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's like, and you, you know, this is an experimental deal and not even, even when it's set up right, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and that's that's. I the, mean, it, it may not. The so result many, may not be the so same. There's so many variables. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. so many variables. Those cow. Okay. We, you we started have, out. You, you, we started out with those longhorns, and we yeah. we could have we could have done something with that, but it's like, okay, we need something a little bit slower that, that we can go in there and see what's going on, and then and have it work. So then we switched over to those other ones, and, and they're like, Ugh. yeah, I mean, they they just had nothing. Until Ethan stepped in there, and that still amazes me. I mean, Brian went in there a foot, and they worked for him, but they were still kind of dead. But Ethan stepped in there, and I mean, it was just a total change. I think that yeah. he probably got a lot of talent in there that you know. Well, you, 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 you never see it out of him. Yeah, you don't he see doesn't, it. He's not very expressive. Well, that's their thing. He's not really expressive with his language, body. Yeah. He's just kind of there. Yeah, he's just kind of there, but he's putting off some sort of an important to make those, those cows pay attention. And I go in the cattle and it's like, well, if they've got some life to them, they still got some life to them. But if they're like, you know, really wild, I'll sit in a minute and they'll, and they'll start falling down. You know, and then I can go ahead and start making my and, and doing that. Doing what I'm gonna sure, do, sure. And, and they'll and they come around, but then, okay, even though they were slow, they were kind of dull-headed, slap-sided, whatever, and not responsive. At least you kind of got an idea of the move. Then when we went out there, you could when when I was doing something, or like Josie did that one move on that on going down that side, that was slick because she's going down there and that cow was getting it was gonna sell out. All she did is just. Moved her horse like a half a step out, and it that car just turned around and run, run backwards. So this direction is how go. close to the edge of yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you gotta be there. There was 
Back when I was training horses, this guy wanted me to make a, uh, an English horse on one of her errors. English horses are like the park horses. They want to pick it up. And this guy get, does this video, which he wanted me to watch. And he's had all these world championships, and I'm just, I'm ready to just throw up through half of it. And his closing statement, a truly great park horse at the edge of its performance, at the peak of its performance, is on the edge of disaster. You know, and it's like, you don't have to do that. Why do you have to do that to get something that you can, that this horse is supposed to be naturally going to do? And I told her, okay, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do this, okay, but I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do it my way. So she goes, well, okay. And I had a horse on her quit, and this mare had her qualified for regional, and she wouldn't, didn't send me because, you know, I had two of her horses qualified for regional. And I had another horse or another horse on a qualified for regionals, but no, they're not going to pay attention to you at regionals because, you know, you're nobody. Right, you got to have the so, name. So I went ahead and what I did is I took a long slodge whip and I'm going down and just timing it when that foot's ready to come off the ground. I was just clipping it with that slodge whip. Well, it picked it up. Mm -hmm. Well, when one, one starts, the other one starts following through and in about... 30, 45 days, that horse is picking them up, setting them down, picking them up, mm -hmm. setting them down. And she thought that was really great. I said, well, watch this. And, you know, you're riding them on a tighter rein and your hands in a different position. I go and I just dropped them reins, threw them out. Boom. She went into a, a good little pleasure horse jog. <laughs> so she takes me to national. She's watching this. She says, you know, I wish I would have let you have, have you do that with that horse faster and let you take them. To, she says, you would have been in the top 10 in English had both, had, both, had both classes. Now, on both yeah. classes with the same horse doing two completely different things. Right. But these cows are just like the horses. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be working them where you're always on the brink of disaster, or you can do it where they can understand it. Right. And that's what we're doing here is we're going down. And and, and we, I mean, when we go down there and, and, and one of those cows starts getting up and it's, it's looking for an escape hole, you're right on the brink of disaster. You could really screw it, but just that little slight move, they understand that, they go by. You know, and that gets builds over time. And that, so exactly, it gets that easy. builds. It, it builds yeah. over time, where you can see something back there, hundred <clears> yards, and I mean, once you get them going, they're going <clears> to <throat> come anyways. But you you build to them. You know, they're hundred yards back. By the time you get fifty yards back, going at a lope or a trot, long trot, they'll pick up their tails and they'll put a knot in it and they'll go catch up with everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, you're not, not having to do anything. Or you send your dog back, and they see that dog coming, and they'll go before the dog gets there. And then if you got a good dog, the, the dog just kind of mellows out and, come, and doesn't get in back of it and, and bite it and everything's coming up. And so they stay, they stay calm and everything and, and go on up. But it's, it, it's all relationships with it. Mm -hmm. You know, relationship with your cattle, relationship with your horse, and, and how the horse relates to the cattle. And then how that all relates back down to your grass and soil. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's all intertwined. It's and all intertwined. Yeah. yeah, it's all intertwined. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like I was saying that over there <clears throat> at the Mastodon the other day, and and I never noticed that before about this about them changing the way they chew their cut when you just put a little bit of pressure on, and it's funny to watch. No, 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 and it's already kind of national, like like you said, nice and grinding and mm -hmm. and. And that's things that we just normally, we're just going out there and we're doing it. 
because we're doing it, but we're not paying attention to what we're doing. Right. It's hard to observe, remember, to and, observe. Then and then compare. Yeah. Yeah. Because you might go home. I can observe a lot of stuff, this. but if I don't compare it to something I've already done, it yeah. probably don't make any sense. It doesn't yeah, but see, you can that. go home and start thinking you're doing this, mm -hmm. and you're not really doing it. So, well, that shit don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what happened with Bud and his classes. These people would sit there in the class and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then they got a day to drive home and then they go ahead and they start practicing on their cows and there's nobody there to correct. To, to correct them. So like if you two go to the school and you're working the same place, you two can kind of correct each other. Mm-hmm. Unless you've both got it backwards. Yeah. Which that happens that too. That happens too. But when you're sitting there and you're just watching that video from from a flat level, you you can't. But you see, we had a deal. You gotta have the bird's eye view. Yeah. yeah. We well, that's a, that's the deal with the drone. I, that's that's why I like doing all my videos with the drone. But and and that's what works out good out there is 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 you're sitting up there on that hill and you watch somebody doing something down there. You got a better idea of what's what's going on. You see, well, I went to the Bud Williams deal and I watched it. I thought, well, shoot, that might work. Because we had a, a pen, like the cows had to go in here. And they come into the pen here and then they had to go into the gate. And that there was a fence, a high. Yeah. You can't see. It, it's a, yeah. a blind. And so they come in here. Well, there's a barn here. Yeah. So they come in here and they go over here. And then you try to bring them out. Well, they come over here. And then they'd come back here to the gate where they came in there. Mm -hmm. never, you couldn't get them there. There was always looping the windmill yeah. and... and and so you know that getting out wide so i you know i thought well we we're supposed to go back zigzag back and forth and so i'd zig in they'd go that way and i'd zig out and then they kind of go my way and when yeah. they didn't i'd walk up with them you know and then yeah. i'd zig in and zig out and finally they went over there and then i zigged out changed yeah. my angle and they you yeah. know i poked them in there yeah well they said well when they go in the pin like this they, that you go well all of me pointed that way they're not turning around coming back at you yeah. well i couldn't see so they all went in the pen, so then I had to go over and look. I got like they were in there. Yeah. And all it was like, well, that was way easier than hooting and hollering and yeah. and yeah, that, beating on and, the barn and And the funny <laughs> thing is, is you get back there, especially you got cows that are they're balling up in the back and you start hooting and they're looking. Well yeah, they they're all look and see what you're looking. hollering at. But <laughs> if you notice even those dead side of calves, the cows actually work better than the cows. Right. Because they haven't had all of the screwed up stuff to, to mess up their minds. Mm -hmm. They're fresh. Yeah. yeah, they're fresh. They haven't been. They haven't had a chance to get hammered on mm -hmm. and and every all their instincts gone. Right. And basically, we're working with the cow's instincts mm -hmm. to to do this. And some cows are harder than others. Because they've had those instincts mashed down more, mm -hmm. but I mean it's it works a lot better than than hooping and hollering and oh. in there. Our place has been significantly quiet, and then we had a young man come in to help us one time, and he was a holler, and he was back hollering, and it was like I haven't heard that in a long time. You know, yeah. they, they didn't come in very good, but. <laughs> I, I was, and I mean, I was like 20. So many haulers in the first 10 minutes, they go back to their truck. <laughs> and down the road. I, I was working with this guy, and we're trying to get these, these heifers into a pen, and 
about one pin into another pin, and he starts hooping and hollering, and he goes, hey, 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 and I go, green, omeline, alfalfa, and he's going, huh? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's like, I've always been a smartass, I just can't help it. <laughs> I noticed it too, you know, when people were getting them in. It's like, this is a way up deal. Yeah. Why are you hurrying those cattle? You know, and I, yeah. And I tell them, I said, you know, when we get them in, let's look at the ground. Were you worth your pay? If, you know, if there's poop all over the ground, I said, I can't pay you. There's your pay, it's laying on the ground. Yeah. What do they take? I helped get them in. I said, you lost them a lot of weight. Yeah. But you can't, it's like they, you, they don't know any better. It, it's like, that's, I, you know, this place that I'm, I'm, I'm playing around on a regenerative deal right now, there, there was two of us on the, and we'd have up to 3,500 head. And there's times the manager would take off. He went to, to Japan to visit his, his daughter in Japan for okay. six weeks. And he left me there with 2,800 head of steers. Plus, I had another like four or five hundred head on a desert lease, about ten miles away. Okay. And then I had a, we had our farm guy that took care of the pivots, and it was Stop. no. Stay here. It, it was no no real problem. Well, then after he left, I had a bunch of cattle. I want they wanted me to weigh, and and I had to I had to bring them. You know, it's like from the furthest pivot away from the scale. So you got to go buy three pivots, and then go through about. Oh, half to three quarters of a mile of desert and then you got to take them through three or more pivots so you're going you know you're going three four miles mm -hmm. with them and i got them strung out and i got them started out there and you know i went back kind of checked the back and i wanted i come up to the front because they were just going across to the they're going across the county road there's a little patch of grass there before i go up to the pins mm -hmm. and and i only had like the the wing that made the alley going up there was only a three-string wire fence, you know. <laughs> right. And so I got these steers coming out, and I I stand up in my strips, and I look down there, and I see a, see one of the local ranchers, and I wave to him, and I turn around and go. And then when I when he just sat there for me to get them all across, and then I waved to him, and I just went up and picked up that front end and started stringing them over towards the scales. And what's Walmart the next weekend up at Carlsbad? And, because we're centrally located between Walmarts. It's 100, 120 miles to Super Walmart in any direction we go. Not a bad place to be. Yeah. But anyways, I'm up there, and I see this guy. And he, I see him, and he just puts his hands on his hips, and he just starts laughing. And I go, Richard, what's so funny? He says, you know, he says, when I pulled up there the other day, there's 70, 80 head over there, and these cattle are strung out, and I'm looking at what the hell's going on here. And I, he says, I'm just getting ready to go back down to, to go to the, let somebody know the cows were up. So then I see you trotting up there with that little black dog, and you just kind of leaned over there, and you left. And then you, a little bit later, here you come up, and he says, you go across the road, and you just waved at me and just went like you're going to the fence. He says, I counted over 700 stairs. He says, and you're taking them like you're going to the fence, like, like that's just what you do. And I said, well, it is. <laughs> That's and what I goes, was there for. Yeah, I said, that's, that's what I do, you know. And he goes, well, how come I've got 250 cows, I've got 10 cowboys, and I can't get them gathered? And I said, well, maybe you need to get some better cowboys. Say, you do a little and when that, place, when that place got sold on a, on a lease option to buy deals mm -hmm. to these farmers, 
I started doing, I just, my wife wanted to stay there, so, I mean, I turned down work, because I had actually, when, when Primo Walker shut that down, you know, some of his other guys, you know, that he worked with in other places, I mean, I had a job offer in Colorado for more than what I was making down there, mm -hmm. but I turned it down, because that's where my wife wanted to, to stay, and so then I got to figure, okay, what am I going to do, so I, so I decided that, you know, the, the guy that had been, that I'd worked with, I'd worked with him at Leachman's, he fired me there, then he hired me down there, mm -hmm. And he was after me to, to, to kind of start teaching. So well, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll start teaching this and, and you know, just day work and trying a couple of horses and that. And, and that guy that can't get his 250 cows gathered with 10 cowboys that watched me bring 800 head over to go to the pens would not hire me for day work. Really? Yeah. Well, you might embarrass his cowboys. Well, that's exactly what what kind mm -hmm. of the deal it is. You start going in there and doing stuff that they're taking a big crew to, and that's, then then you're you're just ticking off their crew. Right. Then they can't get the guys, and right. then all they got is you. And you know, it's no makes no difference. You want to hire me, you know, a couple of mm -hmm. times a month even to just go over there and go through your cows. I can still go and bring them in, mm -hmm. but they don't they don't look at it that way. Yeah. You know, so it was, and then just getting started. I mean. You know, I have to admit that it's, I'm not just in left field, I'm left field two ballparks over. And people just, they fight yeah. I have people ask me if I'd ever Tradition's work. awful hard to Yeah, well, get I actually yeah. had people ask me if I'd ever <clears throat> work at Cal. You know, what did you do? You make your money being a lawyer or something, and you decide you're gonna, mm -hmm. you're gonna teach people how to, how to cowboy, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, yeah. it's a slow start. Then I get people that actually like me for something. <laughs> Where do you find any of those? Well, I don't want to mention any states because it might burst the whole damn state. Yeah. <laughs> and some stuff you, you you think back in the day when we didn't have fence and there were cattle everywhere. They they were doing. They couldn't have been. One of the do. things that Bud Williams would always ask in his classes. Okay, now these guys, when they're doing these trail drives, they'd be taking 2,000 head of steers that started out wilder than hell, and they're taking them all the way to Montana, you know, or Kansas City, or wherever they're going, with eight or ten guys. And yeah. gain two pounds a day. And, and gain it. while they're doing it. And yet, we've got 100 cows and a 200-acre pasture, and it takes... Ten guys to get them in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What? What happened? You know, really. I mean, seriously. What? We lost our stockmanship and our cows forgot how to be cows. Yeah. Fans. Mechanization and rodeo didn't help. Well, yeah. Quit, yeah. Quit. 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 Quit bad mouth. And quit and saying that now. Cowboys are going to get mad at Hollywood. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've already got all the farmers in the world pissed off at me. My order going to get all the cowboys pissed off. Well, there you go. Hey, if you don't, you're not doing something right. <laughs> well, if I haven't pissed off somebody in a podcast yes. episode, I'm probably not doing it right. Okay. <laughs> you and I both know Ethan, and I like Ethan and everything, but I was talking to him here last month before those steers come in, and they were gathering wheat pasture cattle. He said, we got 15 tied down right now. <clears throat> Good Lord. Wheat pasture cattle? Wheat pasture cattle, what? and they couldn't get them in. Oh, my Because God. these punchers that he... Yeah. Well, we did the same thing out there at Greensburg last summer. Three oh days. 
first two days, not one missed bobble, nothing. The third day, it was like it was pre-planned. We drove those cattle three or four miles, and when we got them to the pens, they broke, and we roped three trailer loads. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, How did, did you do that after they, three miles? That's just it. <laughs> Uh, you know what pre, I would? You know what I would have done? Plan because we had to entertain the troops. Uh, you, you know, I think. Uh, you, you know what I've heard? My yeah. see that that's the type of deal that I'd go in there and I'd look at that and I'd just go load my horse and my trailer yeah. and go home. Yeah. But you know, he had to keep them little twisters happy so they'll yeah. come so with him. Kept helping them, yeah. Right. So you got to give them, and that's what they love oh, to do. That bunch I had that he was involved with two years ago. I mean, they, he kind of bought into it mid-season, and I didn't know about it. And it was one of those deals like, when are you shipping cattle? Well, yeah. this is the day that, you know, this is the day yeah. they're going home. What time do you want us to be there? I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, we'll be there. We'll be there. Anyway, we'll help. It's nine. What time do you want the trucks there? Nine. <laughs> what time are you going to be ready? Nine. <laughs> I went out at seven. Had him standing in the corrals when they showed up at eight, and there was like nine of them in four pickups. Yes, and they were happy because there were six that were a mile and a half away, and they went up there. Man, they cowboyed up. They, you know, did wing. They got them loaded up in the pasture. It was kind of impressive to watch. But well, that okay. Well, these guys can. I mean, they. They're good at what they do. Yeah. Which is I just wasn't gonna give them, yeah. I wasn't going to give them much of an opportunity to do it. Well, what's really fun to do, you know, they got all these guys that they got, they, they got these videos all loading the, loading the bull out in the pasture. They never show them doing that when, you know, they're not really all the way bred up and they got some more hot cows and you got a, got one that's coming in. It's pestering that, you know. So what I'll do, because when I, when I have to pull bulls down there, it'll be out of a, you know, it might be a 10 or 15 second pasture. And I'll pull the trailer out there and I'll take eight 10 foot panels and I'll go in a circle right off of that. And then I'll, I'll take one panel and I'll move it in. No wing, I move it in. Okay, you're coming around that, you know that little, that little deal where you step out the outside? When you're coming up to there, you step out the outside, boom, they go in. You can take any hot cows or anything that, that you don't want to load in the trailer, you sit there and sort them off and then put them in the trailer, usually without ever closing the gate. Hmm. And then you can lock that one, that bowl or two bowls up there in the front of the trailer and you go make another circle someplace else and come in, you do the same thing. You're coming around there and you just kind of, you just kind of pick up your horse and fade off a little bit to the outside and they drop into that circle every hmm. time. I'm lazy. I just run the bull, run everything into the corrals, sort the bulls off, and put the cows back on rotation. You are not doing that in a 15 section pasture. <laughs> no. No. Doing that in about a 30 paddock rotation cell. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they always talked about up at Cassidy. Back in the day when they were shipping out of the turnpike, you know, they. they they go out to gather their cows and they wake up and then, and you know, they go do it in the dark. And then the sun would come up and there'd be a set of cows on, you know, yearlings over here on the hill and there'd be yearlings over here on the hill with a different group. 
and you just had to wait your turn to, to the put the pin. in the pins. Yeah, I remember and I'm, sitting on her. You just sit up there, and them guys would sit up there. So they had them all gathered up, and so then, you know, whoever was there first, they go first, and down they go, and they get them all yeah. loaded up, and then the next group would bring their group oh, and, yeah. and get them in there. Yeah. They, they didn't do it the way they're doing it today. They, they couldn't have sat on a herd. No, no, and then put them, and then and have two or three different herds yeah. sitting there waiting. Well, th this this guy that's kind of helping my son when he gets <laughs> yeah. you know, when he has a problem with the well, which they think they got it fixed, but they're not certain. But but anyways, went with him. We had another friend, and that he'd come back into this deal in New Mexico, and and he'd have me go up there once in a while. Well, they were gonna shift some cattle around on from his ranch on another ranch, and we go up there and we. Rode Durham up in the corner, and Gary gets on one side of me, and Bike gets on the other, and they go, "No, shut up! Don't say a damn thing. This is this is they're pulling these cattle out to go to their place. You just gotta let them do it, or they're it's gonna be." <laughs> and and these guys start hitting me with the reins, you know, on either side of me, because this son of a bitch is loping through a roe deer. Oh, that's that's fair. <laughs> no, if you're gonna have fun, you gotta do something. This is the second. This is the second yeah. reason why I don't. You know, I don't pack a gun down there because <laughs> if I run into a, a bunch of illegals, they've got guns. I'm not gonna. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I want to go hide. I don't want to get. You know, yeah. so shoot. And the second it. reason is a guy like that. I would be so tempted to just pull it out and boom. <laughs> And that probably just got me on a terroristic threat charge and I'll be in jail in another week. Well, at least I'll say okay. I got to learn from We know you. people with lots of land <laughs> and heavy equipment. Yeah. Yeah, but it just, it's people's attitude on all this, this cattle and then there's a number of people that aren't figuring out the raising it. You well, know, it's, again, it, that it's like this is what everybody does. So I'm going to do it too. Well, they're not that. thinking why they're doing there's it. There's that. That's it. Or this is the way Dad did it. That, and that's, well, that's yeah. the way I'm going to well, do it. That's see, I went to college, and, and of course, you know, we were a little creative, and then we we had a lot of tradition. I'm fifth generation, so you know, I go to school, and I learn a whole bunch of new stuff, and come back. It's like, well, we need to do this, and it's like, no, this is not what we're yeah. going to do. It's like, well, why did I go to school for? Mm -hmm. But then, after a little bit well, of time, for ten years, I listen to you tell me you go to college so I could yeah. learn something. I learn something. I come home and you tell me no. But but sometimes, but sometimes when you come back, you find out some of that tradition had a base to it. Well, it all and and college didn't okay. have it all in there. I'm going to say tradition fifty years ago had a base to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, tradition now can be ten years. Right. Okay, right. and then a lot of those old timers <clears throat> used to go out and they'd move the cattle around. Mm -hmm. They got then they got around. To, Alejandro Carrillos is a perfect example of this. We're driving down to his ranch down there, and he's telling me about his great grandfather's journal. He's the one that started the ranch, and you're talking about you know northern Mexico, Chihuahua desert, and you think just <laughs> bare ground. Well, if you go and you read the Trapper journals of like Kit Carson and John C. Fremont and Bass, they're going across there. Their problem was not their livestock starving, it was dying of thirst because they didn't know where the water was. So they start traveling during the monsoon season because they had seasonal streams Lies. and springs mm -hmm. and everything else. 
So anyway, his grandfather, great grandfather's description was of what they're doing. They're moving the cattle all the time. When it got dry, they scattered them up. But when that water was plentiful, they bring them back in. And the description of the grass, it was like knee high to their horses, to, to you horseback. And he's got a lot of that grass down there like like that now. Mm -hmm. The Tobosa grass, if you look at that as a bunch grass. If you take and you look at the, you know, and, and these grass books and forage manuals from the 40s and before, they'll say Tobosa makes good hay. Now they say it makes fair feed. And, and you look at it now and it's like, you couldn't even hate that with horses. You know, it's so, I mean, they're, the, the clumps are huge, they're far apart, and, and so, anyways, then his, you know, and when they went to town, we're going 20 miles over to the neighbors, and they'd pick up and just hit a long trot and, and go over to the neighbors. They had to put protective gear on the front legs of their horses and, and chest, and, because if they didn't, they'd cut them up, the, the grass would just slice them up. Mm -hmm. So then his grandfather takes over the place. Well, you know, they got this, you know, this, we always fall for this technological crap. Okay, we're going to put up a windmill. Well, a windmill's a pretty good deal if you utilize it right, but we're going to put up the windmill and use this barbed wire stuff where we can put them in there and then cows can't get away and, you know, we can go to the bar or start another mm -hmm. business or whatever because we don't have to play with these cows. Mm -hmm. And then his dad did the same thing. And when I went down there, oh, geez, I think it was 2011, I'm not sure. We're riding out across one of his pastures. And this grass is up over my knees, horseback. And it looked like Tobosa grass, but it was really super fine stemmed. And the ground underneath it was just like this tabletop. And I said, you know, what type of grass is this? I said, it kind of looks like Tobosa. He goes, this is what happens to Tobosa when you take care of it right. Mm -hmm. And here, I don't know that we've had such a drop down there. I don't know what he's done the last couple of years. But he had that, when he took it over from his, his, his dad, they were running 125 cows on 30,000 acres. They were feeding four to six months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And they were also having to wean their calves at three or four months old. And then here, just before this drought started, he actually had it down to 22 acres of cow. And he wasn't weaning until 10 months old and wasn't feeding anything. He just puts out Raymond sea salt, and that's it. You know, he's making money. He's finally got that ranch where he's making money on it. And, it, and he figures if, you know, if he could get enough good years strung together there, he could get the grass built up to drop that down to around 12 acres of cow. Yeah. How many years did it take you, Bob? Oh, I think it took about 10 or 11. How far west of you, how far west of Van Horn is, is that place? That place from the Van Horn Airport to the airstrip in front of his house is 100 air miles. Which way? Kind of west and just a little tiny bit south. Okay. So it's probably what, like a 16, 14 or 16 inch rainfall area? or is it No, more? no, it's like we are supposedly 10. We haven't seen ten in a long time. This is what rain sounds like, right there. That was, <laughs> that was, I, I thought my horse was going to drown the other day. Just wet stuff coming, and they're looking up like, "What is this?" <laughs>
And you know what? They're not drinking near as much water here. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I put out a 50-gallon tub, and it's I got to fill it every day if I don't have a float valve on it. Mm -hmm. And and I got a little 25 that little 25-gallon tub down there, and they barely had it half drank down. So it's like, what's your theory? Moisture in the forage? Yeah, moisture, moisture in the water, moisture, and it's moisture. moisture down there, it's just, it's just dry. dry. They're parched. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I was. They work in one place down there, and I rode my horses two days, and then I rode one of her horses, and I come in, and it's about quarter to seven at night, quarter to eight, when I accept in my truck. And she, boy, didn't you water that horse? Didn't you ever let that horse get the water? And I said. Yeah, I watered it every time I come across water, and I ran out of water. I'm all, you know, about mm -hmm. ready to pass out from dehydration, and put the horse up, didn't saddle back in my truck, and I got in my truck and turned it on, and the thermometer on there said 117 yeah. at mm. at 7:45 p.m. So how hot was it during the day? Yeah, and I mean, because they're not. I mean, you, you don't have no shade down there. That does not sound pleasant, Bob. It doesn't sound like a nice place to live. No, it doesn't. It's a challenge. <laughs> Why live life without a challenge? You know, I think that's part of the problem people have today is they just want it all handed to them. They don't want a challenge. They don't want to have to think about it. They just want it. I gotta say, the journey's the key. I mean, getting the prize doesn't count. Yeah, you yeah, got it's a, yeah to get exactly. There, you know? Exactly. You know, it's not. You know, it's like that. What's that one saying? The, the goal of life isn't to, to come in, in, in and die at the end with a pristine body, it's to come sliding in all bent, bent up hell, and, yeah. and mutilated and go, man, that was a hell of a ride, let's do it again. Yeah. You know? And the only, it it's sound financial planning. The mm -hmm. only check you ever bounce is the last one last you wrote one. before you died. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in economics, they always say this you got to die 50,000 in debt. <laughs> like you've done it right. You can't die yet, Bob. And, and this is why I constantly check my balance. And, and, go, and I've learned that I've got to go down through because I kind of, I can remember where I've been, what I've spent and that, and I can go on down through and see what's actually, you know, in there. The only thing is, is every once in a while, the wife will go buy something on Amazon and, you know, it just kind of automatically goes on to the one card and then it's, then it's like, Oh crap, I don't have any money. <laughs> Where'd it go? <laughs> magic. Yeah, magic. So where are you headed to after this? Are you headed back home? Or? Uh, I'm going to go down to Gage, Oklahoma and spend a couple days with, uh, with just visiting with, with uh, Pedro. Oh. Because he's got that, that deal, okay? Wow. Uh, he... <laughs> you gonna, you gonna I may follow you down there. I follow you down there, huh? <laughs> Because I want to work with I want to work with him. I'm kind of mentoring. About the same distance. You know, he's he's uh he's really you know helped me out with getting getting schools going down to Mexico, mm -hmm. and he's got he can put herds together. But every time I worked with him down there, it was like horses that don't even know how to open a gate, let alone bend into a cow and go. I mean, so you're it's like mm -hmm. it's just a. Got the I whole get it done, gamut. but I mean I'm really happy to work at it to get the the. the so I want to go down there and ride with him a couple of days because he's, he's, what's the guy's name with Ranching for Profit? Jesse, what's his last name? Jesse. Yeah. 
Jesse something is what he said, the guy's name is. But anyway, he's supposed to be big with ranching for profit, and and Pedro's going to take and... Who's the new guy? He took Pratt's place. Uh, Dallas Mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't take Pratt's place. He just bought the company well, from Pratt, and Dave is actually still teaching. Right. Uh, yeah, I think he's actually in Columbus. Oh, I I thought he was tired. I but, think today was the last Anyway, he's wanting to put these cattle yeah, together. I'm gonna, I want to go down and, and ride with him and because he's really trying to get into his horsemanship, and I want to show him the difference between, you know, doing, but he's he's done. I went down and spent a couple of days with him working bison down there on the on the Uno Ranch in Mexico, and he wound up getting those, I mean, they had big crews and everything else and killing bison to get them into the pens. And he set up a couple of traps and, you know, worked for him a couple of days and then he, he used that and he kept going. And by golly, he moved him into one trap and then he moved him into the next. And it was all like two wire hot wire. And then he got him in the pen. And he had the bison where he could go in there and sort of horseback. Hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot different than the people I've talked to dealing with yeah, bison. Sure. I mean, well, you know why? Pretty wound up about things. Yeah, well, they do. <clears throat> well, they treat them like a like we treat our cows, yeah. they're going to get wound up. And when I went down there, well, it was like... They're too big to wind up. Well, the thing is, is they, they you'll, you'll start working, they'll start to move, and you'll hear the... From out in the middle of the herd, and you'll have some old cow coming out. And that's what you had to kind of work with, was that grunting and trying to do that and keep her contained on the inside and get the motion going. Okay. But, but he was down there for a couple of years, and he was able to... To work through that but his his girlfriend was working for the same uh ngo and she was like grant wife well she's working cows with him now and and she doesn't want to do that anymore but that american prairie preserve he's got the education he's got a master's degree in rangeland ecology she's got uh she's actually her degree is in marine biology and then she's She's learned how to do this grant stuff. So between them, you know, I call up American Prairie Reserve and they go, oh, that's that idiot cowboy again. Mm. You know, and then, but they go in there and they've got the education. Right. Mm -hmm. And they know how to write these grants and proposals up in that. So what I've got to talk to them about is she wasn't there. She was visiting her family in New York when it come up. But what I want them to do is I want them to put up a grant, break, put together a proposal for the American Prairie Land Reserve to actually herd the bison through, but go to Turner, uh, go to, what's this one outside of Denver, the big bison ranch? Then you've got uh, that Rocky Mountain Bison Ranch that the Nature Conservancy has. Well, then there's Triple Seven up there just south of Rapid City. Yeah, but go and put together as many heifers as you can, two, three, four thousand head. Go to the place, work with those heifers after they've been weaned, take them up, settle them, put them out, do, go around to every one of these places and do that, where you've got three or 4,000 bison heifers that you've already conditioned to be worked mm-hmm. You know, of course, you've got to get some bulls in there. And then start working yourself a migratory pattern around that, that million, you know, so they're trying to put together a million acre reserve, get them start them on a migratory pattern, take them, show them where the water is, and do that for four years, and then sit back and monitor them for a couple of years to see if they, you know, and if you they may, maintain you may have to go out there and have somebody out there doing that once in a while, but that would be cooler than 
Oh, get out. If you could get those bison doing that and actually actually migrating. Do, doing the what they did. What they're supposed to do. Yeah. Supposed because to. we've driven. We've, yeah, but you the know, federal government will get involved with it and mess muck you know, that all up. Yeah, well, we brought them down to almost ex extinction. Four small gene pools. Yeah. So then what did we do? We start handling them kind of like cows. Mm -hmm. yeah, and you're putting the pressure on them. And, and it's like, okay, it's like these, you know, you get a bunch of Brahmas in Australia. You can go down, and I mean, they're easy to, they're easy to work with unless you get on the wrong place, and then they want to eat your lunch. But if you take these and you get them gentle down where you can go ahead and hit this pattern and then, okay, then we got, then we got something going. And, you know, you could be harvesting them and selling them for meat and everything to where it would be a, it would actually be a profitable kind of cool. deal letting them do that. That seemed like a great place to end. I really want to thank Bob, the Holy family, and everybody else for agreeing to let me record that. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you did too. If any listeners has questions for Bob, myself, CK, or any previous podcast guest, please come to Facebook and find the Ranching Reboot Paddock Facebook group. Join it, and go ahead and leave us a message there. Make sure you come back Monday for part three of our Dairy Mini-Series. This week, we're going to talk to Dan Ventiker from Honey Creek Dairy in Northeast Iowa. Red Hills Rancher. Out.